Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, here we are gathered around your word as a community and inviting your Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And we pray this through Christ. Amen. While I was in seminary 23 years ago, I found myself in the middle of a full-blown spiritual crisis. You see, we'd just come home from our seven years in China, where I had the time to carefully read this Bible through and through, cover to cover, for the very first time in my whole life. And along the way, something very beautiful happened. I fell in love with Jesus. As I saw him lifting up the poor and the lowly and bringing down the rich and the mighty. I fell in love with Jesus, the Jesus who loved to hang out and to eat and to drink with sinners. And I liked especially the drinking part. I loved his words of mercy to them because I felt his words of mercy to them ministering to me. And I felt him calling me very powerfully to come follow him. Not as a set of propositions, but as a liberating way of life, a relationship centered in the love of God, neighbor, and self. But in my reading of the Bible, I also experienced its messy strangeness, its wrinkles, and complexity, its many wandering detours, its stories of predatory sexuality, its 600 passages of gruesome violence, and its 100, 100 passages where God directly commands for people to be killed, often for no explicable reason. At that point in my life, I assumed that the Bible was a flat book where everything in it reflects God's will and everything in it must be regarded equally and followed equally. But this was leaving me feeling incredibly exhausted and confused. I just couldn't square this violent tribal God with Jesus's God of tenacious love for all people and my faith was hanging by a thread. But then one day in seminary John Driver a missionary and theologian came to visit one of my classes. Thank God he did. And after he gave his lecture on God knows what, I went up to him afterward 
and I bent his ear for a very long time about all the things in the Bible that were troubling me. And this dear man listened with gentle grace, and then he said something that changed my life. He said, we must read the scriptures as Jesus did. We must read the scriptures as Jesus did. And I still have that written in my Bible with the date October 1999. You see, what this dear brother was doing was giving me and others permission to start reading the Bible with the vision and the eyes of Jesus. He was telling us to put on our Jesus glasses. And dear friends, it saved my faith. In fact, after that, I began to realize that, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving us a clinic in how to read the Bible. Six times he tells us, you have heard it in scripture. And then he says, but I say to you. Each time he is challenging us to move beyond the law's surface requirements to see God's deeper intentions for us. In the last one, and there are six of these, but in the last one that Annabelle read for us, he says, you have heard it said to hate your enemies. And then he says, but I say to you to love and to pray for them instead. In all of these, but I say to you teachings, Jesus is doing something incredibly radical. As Elisa said, taking us to the root of things. He is showing us how to read the scriptures with his glasses so that we can more deeply live and love as God intends. So do you see it? When we put on our Jesus glasses, we begin to see the Bible as the grand story of humanity's search for God and God's search for us. And sometimes this search moves us three steps closer to God and sometimes this search moves us two steps away in the Bible. We begin to notice when we have Jesus' glasses on those two steps away stories. And they're in both the Old and the New Testaments. And they inevitably take us toward vengeance, law over grace, empire, exclusion, and superficial conformity. And we also begin to notice those stories that take us ever closer toward God in both of the Testaments, toward mercy, justice, inclusion, nonviolence, inner transformation, prayer, 
and wisdom. And it begins to dawn on us that it's actually dangerous to read the Bible as a flat book where everything is equal. Because reading the Bible in this way causes us to accept what we should reject. And to embrace what we should critique. Things like genocide and slavery and racism and misogyny and nationalism. Nationalism in the Bible is tribalism back then. So dear friends, do you remember my full-blown faith crisis that I talked about in reading the Bible before I went to seminary? I now wonder if maybe the Bible was doing exactly what it's supposed to do for me. In all of its wandering detours and violent dead ends, all of this was bringing me to see humanity's urgent need and my own urgent need for Jesus. And scripture talks so clearly about this. John 1.18 says that Jesus is the one who is close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. Hebrews 1.3 that we heard today says he is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Later on, Hebrews says he is also the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. As I love to say, if the scriptures were a topographical map, Jesus would be our Mount Everest. And all around him, the Himalayan mountains would be the Hebrew prophets like Micah and Amos and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. This is why in that last verse that Annabelle read for us, on the road to Emmaus, after the resurrection, Jesus is helping his friends, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, to see how this whole story culminates in him the crucified and resurrected Messiah is the stunning and unexpected ending to the story of Israel. Now I can hear some of you maybe thinking, well, preacher, putting on our Jesus glasses doesn't exactly solve all our problems. I mean, it doesn't automatically make everything clear in Scripture. And you are right if you're thinking that. And for this reason, the early Anabaptists emphasized that it's important for us to read the Bible together in community and to seek the ongoing guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
They also emphasized that it's important for us to follow and embody in the Bible what is already clear. That's such a helpful thing. We worry endlessly about things that we're not sure about when the big things are already clear and will keep us busy our whole lives. Just turn to the Sermon on the Mount. It'll keep us busy <laughs> till the end. But when we follow what is already clear in Jesus, other things begin to fall into place for us. One last thing. We need to remember that the Bible was given to us by God and given in particular to people at the margins. Slaves in Egypt, that's the Old Testament, and Jews being crushed by Rome in the New Testament. And so in our day, folks at the margins can often help us to see things in the Bible that those of us who are maybe American or white or male or straight or in our late 50s just can't see as clearly. We need each other to see things and to interpret God's, the Holy Spirit's leading in our day. And we need to hear from many voices. And that's why in our series, we have these multi-voice sermons, hearing from different voices about how we understand that God is speaking to our community. So let me close. And I want to do so by telling you that you have two pastors who deeply love the Bible. At this church, we may not be a church that takes every word of the Bible literally. But I want you to know you have two pastors who really, really want us to know the Bible well, for us to be reading it often, and to be taking it seriously. In fact, I would say very seriously. And I didn't check with Elisa before, so I'll just speak for myself. One of the things that I am deeply, deeply troubled about and it is a common theme among progressive Christians, of which I am one, to never read the Bible and to leave it dusty, a dusty stranger on our shelves. Anybody want to say, ouch? That troubles me. And we want to be forming faith in our young people, in our children, with a deep love and respect for the Bible, but also the ability to know how to read it well. Because it's in wrestling with the Bible that we meet God and are drawn to become followers of Jesus. No wrestling, 
No encounter with God, no discipleship. I'll close with a story. While I was living in China in the 90s, I often visited churches in the countryside. And they were just emerging out of three decades of persecution. These sisters and brothers had treasured the Bible so much that some of them would risk their very lives to keep a Bible of the, a copy of the Bible hidden somewhere in their home or on their farm. And I met one family that had hidden their Bible up in the rafters of their home. They showed me where it was. And at night, they would bring it down, and they would share stories from it with their children. And one of those kids is a pastor today in China. I also met Christians who had literally copied out whole sections of the Bible by hand. Can you imagine doing that? They could not survive without God's living and sustaining word. So may we treasure and love the Bible in the same way. Amen.